0: what to look for in a prospect, the art of trading, and all about dynasty. Ian Kahn of Rotowire joins us next on Beat the Shift. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast. I am your host, Ariel Cohen. And with me as always, Ruvain Guy. How are you, Ruven? I'm doing great today. How are you? I'm doing great. Getting to the holiday season through it. Uh, any uh, special plans, Ruven? Not really.
1: Just hanging around with the family. Nothing special. You know, with COVID and everything, that's, I guess, what basically everyone is doing or should be doing.
0: Yeah, same here. But uh, hey, listen, the baseball season is creeping up, going to creep up soon, and the draft season, the prep season, that's where we're all about. So uh, we've got a great guest today. Um, He is a professional actor. He's been on a number of television shows such as Dawson's Creek, Sex in the City, and Turn Washington Spies. Yeah, he played General George Washington in that show. But more importantly for us, he is an analyst over at Rotowire, where he does their dynasty rankings. And he is a big part of the Under the Radar podcast on The Athletic, as uh, Nando DeFino says there. Welcome, Ian Khan, to the show. How are you, Ian?
2: Thank you. Thank you, Ariel. And thank you, uh, Reuven. A real pleasure to be on with you guys.
0: Oh, our pleasure for having you. Yeah, and uh, we jump right into it on the show. So in our strategy section tonight... Whoa, whoa, whoa,
2: hold on, hold on. on. I I just want to make mention of one thing. Um, So I've been fortunate to be in Tout Wars for the last two years, and I just want to say that in this past season, um, I was actually the defending champion for the head-to-head, and Ariel came into this league. I think he was in the draft and hold last year. Uh And Ariel, Ariel came into the league... And uh, did a fantastic job, and we were we were really, I would say, myself, you, and Andrea, um, were battling it out for first place to win the championship. Um, and I kind of had it for most of the season until the very final week, where uh, you came back and had a phenomenal. Actually, you had a phenomenal the last two weeks. My team was sort of just like running out of gas, injuries here and there. And we ended up the season tied, Um, but by virtue of you having more points over the course of the season, you were the champion um, this year of uh, Tout Wars head-to-head. And I'm gonna take this moment, I I publicly congratulated you on Twitter, but I'm gonna personally, and I personally congratulated you, but I'm gonna personally, publicly congratulate you on your podcast uh, for a great season, And, yes, heartbreaking for me, no doubt. Uh, It would have been great to go back-to-back in my first two years. But I will take second place this year um, and uh, tip my hat to you for a great season. So congratulations.
0: Oh, thank you very much, Ian. I really appreciate that. And it was a really great league. I I very much enjoyed it. Uh, You never know when when you're starting a new league and uh, with the players there. But uh, uh, you were a a great foe and nemesis there. And uh, I can't wait till next year to do it all again, you know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: cool. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, in our strategy section tonight, and one of the things that uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to have Ian on, Ian on this show is that we're going to talk about trading. Uh, Ian is a fantastic trader, so let me just throw out the very general question to you, uh, Ian, and you know what is your general trading philosophy?
2: Huh. My general trading philosophy. Um, I learned this from Tim McLeod, right? Who's really, if if you don't know who Tim McLeod is, you should, because he's a Tout Wars winner and and truly just one of the best guys, in not just in the industry but in in the world that I know. Um, and early on, Timmy said to me, he said the key thing is, oh, you know Ian, it's kind of how he talks, but I won't do a Tim McLeod impression. <laughs> um, he said, uh, I right, maybe I will. You know Ian, the key thing is to make sure that it works well for both teams, eh? and that's uh that's kind of my philosophy is finding out from the other owner what it is that's going to work best for them and then um finding a deal that works for both teams that's the that's that to me is the most important thing because the reality is especially in dynasty leagues or keeper leagues you're going to be playing with these people i was going to say guys but there's ellen adairs in the world and, and andreas and wonderful players um you're going to be playing with these people for hopefully for your life. And, you know, you could win a trade kind of big, but when you do that, the next time you call the person, they're going to go, yeah, I don't want to trade with you, dude. And you got to understand that. So what I try to do is make sure that it works best and well for both squads. No matter. And, and look, the, the, the the key thing for that, right. Is to figure out what works for them. Because what works for them won't work for another team, and to find out how they feel about certain players so th- right. that's that's my general trading philosophy
0: and and what are you trying to accomplish when 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 you're looking to do a trade because obviously trading the idea on your end is to make your team better like what's the general sense of what you're trying to do to better yourself
2: um to make my team better you know um and in dynasty leagues, it's really I'm always looking for not just I'm rarely looking to make a trade to win a league, um, that's that's dangerous, right? So in one of my dynasty leagues, there's a, a guy named Alex Cushing who I play against and, and we've been going back and forth winning the championship for the past, I think, six years. And I did, you know, my, my partner, I brought Robert Mershack in as a partner this year, which was fantastic, he's a great guy. Um, and, y- you know, we, we had a really big lead going into August. I mean, we were, we were rolling. But then it got known to me that Max Scherzer was gonna become available. And it was known to me wisely by my trading partner that my uh, the, the the guy I was fighting we were fighting it out for for the championship was calling about him. So you know that's a situation where sometimes you can you know like the Yankees Red Sox um, where it's like I don't want to let the Red Sox get him I don't want let the Yankees get him like that happens. But rarely do I like making trades like that. Uh, we did make the trade. It ended up being not a great trade, but we ended up holding. Uh, we our team just was you know in a sixty game season it's. It's a sprint as opposed to the marathon, which was fun, by the way. It was fully enjoyable. Um, So we didn't actually need Scherzer, but we ended up giving up a lot for him, a good amount. Uh, I don't remember exactly. It was like Daniel Lynch and uh, Riley Green and Michael Brantley. I mean, it's it's sort of, I think there was another piece, too, and maybe a pick. Um, And, you know, I don't love those trades. I like off-season trades better. Uh, Uh Uh-huh. Though, 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 when I am, if if I take over a team or, or join a team, like Steve Gardner and I, Steve Gardner invited me to join him as a partner in XFL, and so we're doing a little bit of a rebuild on on it. That's when I like in-season trading uh, the most, when you're trading with somebody who they're trying to win, you know, and right. and that's, that's the time to really uh, work people against each other. You know, you're trying, Ron Chandler, you're trying to win the championship. Brian Walton, you're trying to win the championship. Who wants to win the championship? Well... Do you want you Darvish? Because this is what it's going to cost if you want them. Um, so that's that there's there's fun to be had there for sure. Do you play other owners against each other in that in that type of scenario? Subtly, yes. You can't really, you know. I, yes, sure. If you're doing it right, <laughs> you know, say this person's trying to win the championship, you're trying to win the championship, I'm gonna be the eight. What I like to say is and because it's, it's true, is I, I my goal here? I'm not going to win the championship this year in this league. My goal is to be the agent of the champion, and in the process, set us up for the future to be in that position that they're in now.
0: So, Ruvane, w- w- you and I play more in redraft leagues. Um, you know what? What is your trading philosophy in general? And you know ha- how do you look to make your team better in an in-season context?
1: Um, basically, I'm trying to find the weaknesses of my team and see what I can trade because a lot of times people will overpay for certain values that they need. I also – what I do is I try to look at each team and see if they're what they have in excess is what I need and see if my – Excess is what they need. That way it makes us much more compatible and we're actually able to come to terms with the trade a lot easier. I I tend to not trade a lot when I'm in a league, um, only if I see that it's really gonna help me a lot because usually I'm very comfortable with my draft and I'm gonna usually live and die a lot with my draft. That's not to say I'm not gonna trade at all, but I know Ariel, you're a lot more of a of an instigator for trades than I am, so you know, I'm gonna defer to you on this.
0: Well, I'm always looking to get the best value of my team, obviously. Um, I'll tell you what I do in terms of the two things I think of in a midseason trade is, one, I want to just extract more value. So I'm trying to trade from a surplus on my team, either statistically or positionally. Maybe I have a guy on my bench who I can probably slot into my lineup, but I might want to fill in another hole in my lineup that somebody else might have for me. Uh, And the other thing is I like to trade for what's called marginal categories. Um, a lot of people make the mistake in a league of looking for uh, just raw deficiency, meaning, oh, I don't have a lot of home runs, or I have too many stolen bases. But it's not about the total quantity of what you have. It's about the marginal quantity. You have to see, especially in a roto league, um, where the pack is. Are you in the middle of a pack in a category, or are you far away? So if I trade for stolen bases, can I gain a couple of quick points, or is or am I so far out that it doesn't make a difference and I can trade? Right? It doesn't matter if you're at the top or bottom in a category. It matters how close the category is. And for those categories, that's the ones that you want. And for the ones where it doesn't make a difference what you do, that's the ones that you can get away with. Um, so, Ian, a question to you that always comes up is two-for-one trades, and I know some people who say, I, I always want the two versus the one, and some people always say, I want the best player in the deal. Give me the one for the two. Where are you on that general trading stance?
2: Well, it depends. It, it just depends on who the two and who are the one, right? Sure, um, sure. And depends on the construction of your roster. If, you're, if, if you've got guys coming off the uh, the IL and you need to make space, two-for-one is wise. But again, I mean, are we talking redraft or are we talking in dynasty?
0: Um, I mean, we're talking about dynasty today in the show. So uh, we have you here. You might as well talk about that. Yeah.
2: I mean, I made a trade. Rob and I made a trade the other night. It just sort of came together. And it's an interesting trade that's going it, to, it's going to, I like trades that are going to play out over many years, right? Um, like there's a trade that Cushing made years ago where he traded young Josh Bell for, uh, great Jake Arietta and the league just went nuts. I was like, what are you? Oh, my God. How can you give him Arietta for just Josh Bell? And then Josh Bell turns around, and obviously last year was a, a real struggle, but the year before, and and then Arietta was done, and it sort of looks kind of, you know, like, well, looks like that trade worked out. So uh, just the other day with Dean Peterson, who's another great guy, um, it, it, he traded Otani to us. Otani and... Uh, Otani and some picks, some good, decent picks. God, I think there was another piece in there. I can't remember now, that's too bad. I mean, we're talking about days ago here and I can't remember. It's just I'm also doing a, a, a NFBC and we did the RotoWire wire um, magazine draft. So there's a lot, of, a lot of players running around in my head. But I know that the main piece that went was Otani. Uh, ah, okay, great, found it. So we traded Tommy Edmond, who Dean wanted for uh, multiple eligibility. Lorenzo Cain, and Leodi Tavares, who is the piece that I'm sort of wondering how that's gonna play out. For Shohei Otani and a guy that I kind of like in Jamer Candelario. And we also got a couple of picks. Uh, now, now, why why did that trade, you know, so someone called me and said, Jesus, he, I can't believe he gave you Otani. It's like, well, if you look at the construction of his roster, he had Reyes, um, Franmo Reyes and Otani, right? So he's got two util guys. And this is a one util league. And that's what you're looking for if you're really paying attention. So as soon as I saw that, I went, you know what? I want Otani. I want us to have Otani. Because, first of all, Otani's fun. And fantasy baseball should be fun. And there's also a tremendous amount of upside there. Leoti has great upside. But we we made the deal. Happy to take Candelario back for Edmund, who was backing us up at third and second and short and outfield. Um, Kane was sort of an extra piece. But the thing about Otani is what I'm betting on is that he becomes either a pitcher or a hitter because in roto daily we week, uh, roto weekly leagues which is what this is Otani's a pain in the ass yeah <laughs> because yeah, yeah. you don't have any place you can play him but if he becomes i, I watch some film because that's how i play the game and i watched otani pitch in 2000 and uh, gosh it was 18 right yeah 2018 man that stuff is nasty like, if yeah. it, he was so bad last year on the mound, two starts, like, got through three innings, like, well, I think it's like seven walks in one game. But long term, if Otani becomes a pitcher, like a full time, like, stud pitcher in a format like this to get an ace, because that's what he has the upside of, amazing. Now, if he f- fails and struggles, then he goes to right field or first base, and then hello, 25 25. It's just, I'm, I'm almost thinking of him like a prospect because I don't think he's going to show full value in 2021. So, you know, there's an example where we're giving up three for two and we took the two and kept the three and sold the three. Right,
0: right. Um, I'll answer the question for, for the, the redraft in the middle of the season uh, idea. Um, you know, it's about, it's about risk management. I'm always talking about the risk management side of things, of being the actuary. Um, if you are late in the season and you are in a good position, you're in first place, second place, in the money or whatnot, you generally want to decrease your risk on your team. And one good way to do that is to trade one very good player for two good players because the risk of one player going to zero is half of the other, right? You, when you're ahead, you just want some production. Now you, might even, you might even get more from the two, but there's a small risk that you're going to not get anything if I'm behind and I'm in fifth place and I need to really jump up and gain 10, 15 points in the standings, I need more risk on my team. So I would rather trade two players, even if the two together are worth more in the aggregate than the one, but the one has more variability. It could be a star, maybe it could get hurt or whatnot, uh, because you need to assemble more risk on your team, and that's one way to do it in general. Uh, Anything to add, Ruvane?
1: Yeah, in keeper leagues you want to be able to if you're if you're going for it all you should be willing to trade that one prospect that you have on your bench possibly for multiple positions like you're saying to bulk up your stats to get, you know, more going because if you're going for it all this year and it's a keeper league, you don't necessarily need that prospect for this year. You want to secure your title for this year. But on the other end, if you know you're not going to do that well and you have some players that are doing well but everything else is either injured or not pre- performing, you'd want to trade as many guys as you can, three, four, even five guys to get that one keeper for the next year or for the year after that to solidify you for next year because you'll be able to draft new players and you gotta get those you better fill in those holes elsewhere.
0: So, so, Ian, um, now we come to our dynasty section, and um, Reven and I are not big dynasty players. I, I, don't, I, I don't play in any dynasty leagues. I play in one or two keeper leagues. So want to pick your brain on a bunch of things here. Um, first of all, can you tell the audience what, what is the difference between a dynasty league versus a keeper league? Obviously, a redraft league uh, uh, is just a single standalone league that everyone just redrafts everybody each year. But what is the difference between dynasty and keeper?
2: Well, I mean, there, there are different versions of everything, right? So there are keeper leagues that are close to dynasty leagues. A true dynasty league, in my opinion, is you draft a team, you and whoever you have on your team, you keep forever, right? That's a, To me, that's a true dynasty league. Um, but then there are leagues uh, that I'm in with your first guest, Enoceros, uh, called the Devil's Rejects, where you do that, but you can only keep 28 of the players. But that's a lot of keepers, right? I mean, that's a, a large amount of keepers. But So it feels like a dynasty league, but it's kind of still a keeper league. Then you have leagues like XFL, where you can only keep 15 players per year. And that goes to Reuven's uh, point. I, I I question that a little bit, Reuven, about uh, trading your top prospects just to make sure you win this year. Um, I think it's a little bit more subtle than that. I like the other flip side of that, which is trade whatever you can to get those keepers. Um, but I think you should always be mindful of the value that you're giving out, right? Like, uh, because <laughs> uh, there's no guarantee that the guy you get, like Max Scherzer, like that story, it ended up working out fine. We won the title anyway. But if I could get that trade back, I gave up some really good young prospects to to solidify that title. Kind of wish I hadn't done that because it didn't work out. Like, let's say you trade for that guy and he goes on the injured list right away. Was it worth it? I don't know. It depends. I mean, it really depends upon your the way you think about the game. And, you know, flags do fly forever. And I, I do I do agree with that. Anyway, I just but wanted it, to...
1: But it also depends on how you evaluate talent. Because let's say this season, the 2020 season was a shortened season. How do you make up a dynasty list, you know, a ranking based on that 20, by the short 2020 and no minor league season? Uh, fair question.
2: You know, I mean, are you
1: asking like how I did it? In in yes, in general, how how would anyone be able to do it? Because there's literally no minor league season. People, their their players, the prospects, were playing in the backfield, just getting ready to cold, get cold right. up. You sure. know, it's it's just crazy. I mean, it's it's not a normal season.
2: Well, it depends also what we're talking about, right? I mean, are you talking about a Novelli Marte who may be like 22 on a prospect list, or are you talking about C.J. Abrams who's like eight on a prospect list, or uh, Andrew Vaughn who might be at six? you know what I'm saying? Well, like the guys. And, and so how do we, how do we judge Andrew Vaughn? Is, is, is that part of the question?
1: Well, let's say that the, the estimated time of arrival is let's say 2023. Mm-hmm. And sure. Like Novelli Morte. Exactly. And I know a player like that. Cause a player who's like 2022, it's possible if a team's in a, in a stretch run, they bring them up anyway next year. So a player like that, like two, three years out, like, like a player, like I was going to bring up later, but Adley Rushman from the, from the, um, from the Orioles, he's yeah. a top prospect. He hasn't hit in single A. How, do they, how are they able to evaluate him to see, or how is someone else, anyone able to evaluate how he's progressed if, if you haven't seen him play?
2: Well, Baseball America just came out with a uh, article about the 19 best minor league players uh, based upon what people were seeing at the different camps. Uh, because people get reports from that, right? I mean, you know, I, I know some of the people at Rotowire give me reports about what's happening at these camps. Uh, and what Baseball America wrote, which is, you know, trying to get as much information as we can about Rutchman was that not only would he be, uh, is he ready for the majors right now based on what people were seeing at these at these backfields, but that he would be one of the top catchers in baseball right now. So then it comes down to whether you believe it or not. Right. Or, and, and is the pedigree there? Like, you know, you look at Rutschman, you see what he did in college. You see what I like to do is I like to look at the human being as well to see like how they handle their business, (laughs) you know, like, is, is this somebody who has coming from my background as an actor, I I could see young actors who I would meet, especially as I got older in my career, I'd meet a young actor and I'd say, yeah, you're going to be gone in about a year. Because you're late to work. <laughs> rule number one, never be late. Rule number two, learn your lines. But rule number one, never, never, never be late. So you look at the character of the player. Rutschman, I, I, obviously, as you can tell by my list, I'm sure that's why you're going to bring him up. I'm very, very high on 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 Rutschman. So, look, it's a, it's a fair point that you're making. I, I just put a different uh, kind of focus on a top 20 prospect, top 18 prospect, you know, uh, especially bats. I, I, I just... I just think they're gold especially in keeper leagues and dynasty leagues
0: so uh we're talking here with Ian Khan of RotaWire uh a little bit about Dynasty. Um, Now, here's something that I don't understand, and maybe you can help out how this works. But obviously, when you're playing Dynasty, you might have a team that's loaded for this coming year. You might see your roster and say, well, I don't think I'm going to contend this year. Let me try to just play it and load up on prospects. I'll compete in two, three years or whatever. But Mm -hmm. when you're doing your Dynasty rankings, Ian, and you do a great job on on Rotowire doing that, my question is, what time frame is it? Um, and, And shouldn't there be multiple Dynasty ranking lists? liftings like here's the dynasty re- lifting If you're going to compete uh, uh, in two years, here's the one. If you're going to be competitive in all three years, like ha- how does that work in terms of the the time
2: aspect of it? Sure, that's that's a, a fair question. Um, in fact, I think you brought that up to James Anderson, didn't you? Did you bring that up? Somebody brought that up in the uh, right as we were starting the season. I, don't know, I thought it was you. It was a smart question, so I thought eh, maybe it was Ariel. Um <laughs> How I look at this list is guys I like, of course, but also like who I would trade who for, right? Like what's it going to cost to get that guy? And would I take him for him? Like I'm at Adley Rutschman, number 60, like, or uh, Brandon Lau. Like who are you going to take, Adley Rutschman or Brandon Lau? I got Rutschman at 60 and Brandon Lau at 63. Theoretically in a vacuum between those two players, that's about what they they should go for each other. You know, Marcelo Zuna's at 64, Rutschman's at 60. So um, am I going to trade, and how, here's another way I think about it, I don't think I've ever explained it this way, uh, especially in, in Dynasty Keeper Leagues, I, I look at it, I'm buying 16, 15 years of Adley Rutschman for seven years of Marcelo Ozuna. Okay. Right. Because Rutschman is, what, 21, 22, and Ozuna is 31, I think, maybe 29, I'm not exactly sure. Um so I'm buying those extra eight years. Now, yeah, for the next three years, you would imagine based on Ozuna's stat cast that he's gonna bring more value than Adley Rutschman, but then there's all those later years that are gonna come back and and okay you know so, you know what I'm saying? So right, that's so, how I'm looking at
0: it. So what you're saying basically is that uh, pretend that you have uh, a guaranteed uh, contract to each player for a dollar a year, but you get to keep them forever. So it's it's the compilation of the future value of players. Period. Is that basically what it is?
2: Kind of. I mean, it's it's present value versus future value. Right. You know, you're, right. It's, a, it's sort of actuary like. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, right. It's right. like who do I want? Do I want? I, I think Starling Marte. I'm not the hugest Starling Marte fan. Um, because 31 going on 32. I have him right next to Michael Conforto. Who's going to give more value this year? Starling Marte or right. Michael Conforto. To me, Starling Marte is going to give more value because of the speed. Right, right. But in four years, it's going to be Conforto, and in six years, Marte is going to be retired, and Conforto is going to go in those last four years. So I'm accounting for that.
0: Okay, so I, I got two value questions to you about this as well. The um, First of all is um, how, how can you compare – trading value between ranks so you know for example uh the first round player here the the eighth ranked person uh is that the equivalent of the 70th player and the plus the 71st player like uh, how can we tell equivalent rounds i I understand it straight up but how can we use this to sort of gauge uh what the trading is the value between rounds i I i personally when i Do any kind of drafting? I go on auction values for a redraft league, so I I have a dollar man I can compare right away. Is there something equivalent for these dynasty rankings?
2: Not exactly. And again, this is just my point of view, right? And who? How? Maybe I'm not that good. You know what I'm saying? So, like, just to be to be clear about that, this is just the way that I go about playing the game. Doesn't mean it's the right way to play the game. But if there's something of value that people can glean from it, that's awesome. Um, Right. So I would say. You know, I think it, I think it moves. I think it's, let's say the eighth player on the let's go with the seventh player. Trevor Story is the seventh Okay. Player. And then let's grab the, uh, I don't know, 35th player, Tim Anderson. Oh, I li- and I like Tim Anderson a lot.
0: So what what do I have to it's add to Tim high. Anderson to trade for the trade for uh, um, Trevor Story? Being that you know you you should be ambi- you should be mm. ambivalent uh, indifferent about you know if, if you're ranking them then you know you should be in- what's the indifference curve here? It's Trevor Story is Tim Anderson plus what?
2: Well, that's kind of you know I you have another it's, it's, question yeah. you're going to ask later is like who am I higher on than most people? Tim Anderson I'm higher on than most people. Like I love me some <laughs> Tim Anderson. Right. Um so with Tim Anderson, uh oh, no, let's do, can we I'm gonna move it off of Tim Anderson, it's just too close. Let's do Julio Rodriguez, who's just a few okay. down at forty. Sure. If we're adding so because then the, Anderson and story like you could almost make well, it. Well you have short you have short stop. You know, yeah. Right? I, I just it, it just seems a little too I don't know that that's taste it feels like. But right. Julio Rodriguez, you're the fortieth ranked player for the seventh ranked player. I'm gonna want somebody in another top uh, another top 40 player. I mean, I'm not going to, okay. you know, I mean, Julio Rodriguez and. Kalenic? Jar- Jared Kalenic. Yep. yep. That, okay. that would do it actually. I think that okay. would do it for me. I okay. think so. You know, okay. you're talking about two of the top four prospects in baseball. Yeah. Right. I kind of like that. The problem is the story's so young, which is why he's so high, you know? And also right, right, it's, right. it's sort of shocking how good Trevor's it, story is. I, I, it's I, it's I so a little also, hard. You, yeah. You also base it on years of
1: control, obviously also because Kalenic and, and Rodriguez, they have plenty of years of control left. Well, story, he has, he has the injury history a little bit and he, he is, yes, he is young, but not
2: as young as Kalenic or Rodriguez. Twenty. But right, You're buying so 20 years. You're buying, wait, you're buying 30 years of those two guys of well it's too much let's say 26 years that's still too much 24 years let's say 24 years of top level value for five
0: six years of story yeah something like that and if
2: somebody wants if somebody wants that player that's what you got to give because then go back to the actuary risk assessment right because what are the Uh chances that kalenic or rodriguez are going to ever be as good a story right i i don't know i'm not sure but you got Uh, two shots but you get two shots at it. Right. And, right. you know, there was a... Here's a funny trade that I made uh, last year. I've talked about this on other podcasts, so I apologize. But it's it, it tells a good story because Trevor... It tells a good Trevor story. Look at that. Um, I traded like before last season, right before... Actually, it was probably in February because it was before COVID hit. So it was expecting to have a full season. I traded Charlie Morton and Charlie Blackman for the first pick in the draft. Now... I made a mistake with that first pick in the draft because I'm a Yankee fan and I'm a homer and I wanted Jason Dominguez so I took Jason Dominguez. What would have happened if I took Andrew Vaughn? Let's let but let's save Andrew Vaughn just for just for giggles and mm-hmm. and pits. Giggles and pits. Um I would then sell 2 years of prime, not even prime, 2 years of Charlie Blackman and 2 years of Charlie Morton for 14 years of Andrew Vaughn. Is that smart? I think it's very smart. Am I counting on the fact that he's going to be something special, Vaughn? He doesn't even need to be ridiculous special. He right, could just be really right, good. Right, and I'm trading right, right. from my depth. I had extra pitching. Right. I had extra outfield. And right. you know, those are the those are the outside the box trades. And then earlier in the offseason, I traded Fran Miller Reyes straight up, well, Dean Peterson straight up for the fourth pick in the draft. And I knew, as far as I was concerned, it was a four-player draft. Turns out it's a five-player draft because Bobby Witt Jr. really needed to be put in that category. And Corbin Carroll probably could almost be put in that category at, at six. But I, I saw it as four. C.J. Abrams, uh, Andrew Vaughn, Jason Dominguez, and Adley Rutschman. So I got Rutschman at four.
0: Right. For and, a friend, and and a lot of these questions, of course, are what are you you know in a vacuum here? But obviously, the fun about Dynasty is that you're now interplaying with well, I I have a chance to make it this year, so I'd like to front load the years as opposed to well, you know, uh, let's go for for I have nothing to do this year, let's go for talent down the line. So that's that's really the fun of Dynasty. Um,
2: and, Except, and don't I, go for this year in Dynasty. Never, never, never. Like I I get into these arguments with people, and then and they say. I have really good friends, and they say, I I, I play Dynasty. When I draft Dynasty, I draft to win the first year because that's what you should do. I play it like redraft. And you know what I say? You're playing the wrong game. How far ahead should you look then? Two years, three years, five years? If I'm doing a startup Dynasty League, I'm taking all prospects, all young bats. I am totally punting the first year without question, and I'm acting as an agent. Then in mid to late April, what I'm doing is I'm finding the teams that have dropped out, who went for it in the first season. And what you need to have in Dynasty is you need to have a direction. That's the key thing, right? If you're doing it right. And that's when I start working teams off of each other. And I sort of say, look, you know, I've got all these young prospects, young bats. That's what you need to invest in. You don't want to invest in young pitching because look at what what happens to young pitching. Their, Their arms are going to fall off. But young bats typically are going to work out, right? right? So I then trade, I've got 25 prospects and I can trade one of them. One great young bat. Years ago, this worked 2016 when Alex Bregman first came out. I remember in this league, I drafted Alex, I drafted all prospects. And then the 18th round, I grabbed Bregman, (laughs) then flipped Bregman three months later for Chris Sale straight up because Bregman had just come up. Because there's nothing more exciting in a dynasty league than when your player comes up. There's no right, better time to right. sell a player than when they, f- the day they come up. Because look at Joe Adele. Last year at this time, Joe Adele was the hardest player to get in dynasty. Period. Well, that's silly. That's not right. But one of the hardest players to buy in dynasty. We did a whole episode, Nando DeFino, Derek Van Riper, and I on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast, which you should check out every Wednesday. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, we did a whole episode. Dondo's like, can there be somebody who's harder to get than Joe Adele? Well, now could there be somebody easier to get than Joe Adele? No, obviously they're easier players to get, but boy, that value has dropped. Right. Huge. Right, right, right. And that's the other key to dynasty leagues. It's like, don't buy the pretty stuff, buy the ugly stuff that used to be pretty. <laughs> that's also right. true. And just in fantasy baseball, all
0: right. Sorry. I, I, it's a little, little, uh, no, this is. This is fantastic stuff. Um, stuff that you can't get anywhere else but you can get it on uh, Beat the Shift here. Uh, and yes, I do agree. You should and listen und- to wait, 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 wait. A- And you should listen to Under the Radar. I do yeah. every week. Uh it is a fantastic I- show on the Athletic. It. Yeah. Uh, Dirk I-
2: van Ryper, man. Yeah, Nando Defino. Come on, man.
0: Yes. Uh, app. Ab- it's a fun show. Absolutely fantastic show. Uh definitely. I- one more question. Um, uh, just a, val- a value question. Um you know in in a redraft league uh, we're used to the fact that, you know, by position, you know, let's say catchers are propped up. Like, for example, in an NFBC format, JT Real Muto was worth $30 last year, which is the equivalent of a mid second rounder. But of course, that's only because of catcher scar- scarcity. Uh, without it, he'd be worth only fifth round value. So, you know, all the rankings and stuff are propped up because you have to play two catchers and whatnot. So the general question is, how does that work in your rankings in terms of uh, scarcity there? Is there a general rule? Like I, I, I see that your top catcher is JT Real, Real Muto at 52. You've got Adley Rutschman at 60. Um, has there been any positional scarcity, either for catchers, for anything else, pitchers? How, how does that work or accounted in, in what you do?
2: Yeah, I, I, see, James Anderson, who's my partner in RDI, and this is a guy who brought me into uh, rotor wire along with Clay Link. Um, he he always teases me. He's like, you have too many catchers on your list. Now, I was a catcher. Uh, I, people may fun of me for saying that, but it's a new new audience. Um, I, I played catcher growing up, and uh, and so I like catchers a lot, and I like to watch them very carefully. And the thing that people – people always like, catchers don't matter. Well, I'll tell you what. When you're in the off season, and if your catchers are Mike Zanino, and who else, give me give me like another decent, but, and Jan Gomes, but you wanna win, you're gonna trade for catchers. I always, uh, I, I try to develop as many catchers as I can because they're great trade chips, great trade chips. And on top of them being great trade chips, they're also differentiation in, in the year that you're playing. If you have, if you pay for, JT Realmuto and Travis Darnell, You're getting so much, you're getting so many stats that another team, a competition with you is not getting. So I try, I try not to punt on catching really ever. Uh, it, to answer your question, yeah. I, I think that, you know, even Gary Sanchez, I think he's probably around 200 or something. The upside of good Gary Sanchez really helps your baseball team, your fantasy baseball team, a lot. Terrible catcher, but boy, Right, good fantasy player. Sorry, Reuven. I feel like I'm talking a little too much. got to no, hear a little no. bit from you well, there too. Yeah, well, you know, you know more than I do about this. So
1: I, I was going to ask you actually, um, what about relief pitchers? Because also, how do you draft relief pitchers in a dynasty league? That's it. It's, it seems like they're so fickle, and especially this coming year when relief pitchers were so bad, and and you don't know who to pick, and saves are so scarce. What do you do?
2: Well, I mean, there's a question about that, right? The top, my top relievers are Hader, '96. Chapman at 177, Edwin Diaz at 217. I, I don't know where Hendricks is. He must be. He must be pretty high because I'm. I'm a fan of Hendricks. I, I you can't you closers and dynasty go together bad. So you you really you should be buying closers off the wire as much as you can. You get yourself one or two on this championship team. I have Josh Hader. Um, Brad hand and Richard Rodriguez. So I know I got three, we got three going into next year. Um, but I also know cause I'm constantly, this is what I'm saying about don't, don't fully rebuild and don't fully go for it. Right. Because like I can sell a nice prospect for a hot closer in May or June and not too high of a prospect should be a top 60 prospect, top 50 prospect from a team that picked that process, that, that reliever off the wire. You know, and then you got you go from there. That's like I, I just I, I don't think investing in closers in dynasty leagues makes a tremendous amount of sense. Like you say,
0: right? So um, let, let's get to some of who you are higher than other people in the industry. Who are you lower than in terms of dynasty players? Could be prospects or or not. Uh, I'm assuming most of the answers will be prospects here. Uh, but uh, um, go for
2: it. Um. Well, you know I. I try not to look at everybody else's list because if I look at everybody else's lists, then I'm going to, you know, I might.
0: Well, if you're trading, then then you'd want to, right?
2: Yeah, but like Tristan Cockroft. Yeah, well, but Tristan, I play with him in AL Labor. So his dynasty list. No, I'll look at, that's true. Here's a guy that I really like. And that actually I know Tristan likes very much uh, is Byron Buxton. Like I'm, I have Byron Buxton at 73. um, And it's because I believe I'm a believer in the pedigree. Uh, huge. I just am. And, you know, there, there was talk back in the day, he was going to be like Mike Trout. In, five years ago, he was being traded uh, in deals for Mike
0: Trout. Buxton, Buxton. I mean, the thing is with him, you know, a lot of his game is his speed and he's already 27. He's getting towards the tail end. If he's going to do anything, it's going to be in the next year or two. Otherwise, yeah, you know, I, I don't believe him. That's you why hit, I, you hit 30, I, I, I don't like him. He goes away. Yeah. 30, so the speed lo- goes away. I don't I like him less in, in Dynasty, I think, because I don't like him long term.
2: Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So there, there's a spot where I'm I'm higher on a player there than, you go. than than the industry. Right there. Boom. Right. Byron Buxton. Yeah, no, I I I'm a big believer in Buxton. I grabbed him last night in the Rotowire Wire magazine draft. I can say this, Clay won't be mad, At ninety seven and his ADP on N F B C which is where we did it, is like one thirty. So I, I reached quite a bit for him, or 120 maybe, but I reached quite a bit for him. There was, it was going to come back around to me again before, um, before his ADP, and I just, I was like, no, nope, nobody's getting him but me, um, right, no. Right. So the, he's he's a guy that I definitely believe in, especially for this year, but also in dynasty leagues. I mean, he's not good in OBP, I'll tell you that. But if you look at his stat cast, if you look at the underlying numbers, his heart rate, all that stuff, pretty pretty good. Also coming off the shoulder injury that I think that's why he wasn't running. I'm hopeful because he he, he didn't run last year. He just shoulder affects home. the running? Yeah, because you got to sliding steal. sliding yeah. head first. That's what he did. Right. Yeah, you're yeah. the doctor Ruby. So. Yes,
1: yeah, it's it's just, it's, just, it's not the running It's the sliding that he was more concerned about. He didn't want to do any more damage to his shoulder. That's right. right. That's and,
2: and my hope is, you know, he's he's going to try not to run into any walls um, because that's that always a the plus. Always a plus. Yeah, well, I mean, he that's how he got hurt quite a bit. Quite, quite a number of times. <clears throat> uh Yeah, but Buxton's better than Kiermaier. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if he runs. I think he could be uh, he has, to me, first or second round value upside. I'm not Does saying he he's going to get
0: there. Of, uh, He reminds me of Carlos Gomez back in the day, right? He's got the the thread, lo- lowish average, but he's got the power speed combo, like 20 20, 20, 20, 25, 25 type thing.
2: Yeah. If he runs, I mean, how many home runs? I think he had, I'm just off the top of my head. I think he had 14 home runs and about 150 at bats. Is that about right? Anybody have it? See DVR. I'd always be like DVR. What does it say? Well, let's take a quick look. I think it was about 14 home runs in Boston 100... last year. Yeah. He had, thir- he had 13 homers
0: bat at 254.
2: In how many at bats?
0: He had 130 at bats last year.
2: So how many home runs is that per at bat?
0: It's, it's a home run every 10 at
2: bats. That's pretty so, good. Uh, that's a in tease. A six, that, that's a
0: tease. That's what could it is. F- 50 homers in a, right, in a 500 at-bat season, right?
2: Could be. Yeah. Could be a tease. But, boy, there was a period of time there where he was doing it every now, His, <laughs> like,
0: his, his homer-to-fly-blow ratio, though, last year was 26.5. His average for his career is 13. So maybe there's a little bit of a jump, but I don't buy double. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, I, I don't fully buy that.
2: So how many dollars? how many dollars do you think he's going to return next year?
0: uh in a uh f- in a roto format? Yes, sir. Well, I haven't really done the ATC uh projections yet. Uh last year he was a uh, I projected him for a $10 player uh and he ter- returned uh a nice $13 value. So, I would probably guess Somewhere around that range, I think the ATC long-term effect is probably good. So I'll go with nine dollars next year. I'll say that he probably won't steal. He'll steal more than he did last year, not as much as you think. Power won't be as much as last year, but more than we thought. I'll go with nine, ten dollars in a fifteen by fifteen team roto.
2: I'll take the over on that.
1: Is this I'll a board the, bet? Now? I'll take the under because of injuries. Because walls
2: keep going into him. Okay. All right, <laughs> we'll 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 see how how it plays out. <laughs> he could very easily be injured, um, but so clearly, I'm much higher on Byron Buxton than than the industry.
0: Right. What well, about lower? Who who who's somebody that you don't like that everyone's gaga
2: over? Uh, you know, it's hard. I mean, I well, here's a guy that I'm I, I'm not high on for this year that I'm not high on, but he, he's kind of shown not to be high on him, so it's not. I don't I don't imagine, but JD Martinez is not somebody that I would have on any teams at this point. And my thinking on this, and it could be totally wrong, but you talk about Carlos Gomez, right? Uh I use Carlos Gomez all the time in my head about baseball players because he was a guy who had great upside coming up but then really struggled like couldn't hit the ball right between the ages of like 21 and 27 and he was like this tease also he was a pain in the ass but he was like this tease and he would go to different teams like we can unlock him. we can unlock him." then he hits like 27 and all of a sudden boom right boom Yep. he becomes carlos gomez he becomes the top third third round draft pick for the next four sure. or five years right Sure. Then he hits 32, 33, His reflexes start to slow down a little bit, and just falls right off the table. I mean, off the table he fell, right? The, he, he, your, your beloved Mets tried to pick him up at the end. It just wasn't you. You probably saw he, he didn't well, have Wil- anything. Well, Wilmer
0: Flores cried, so it didn't go through. You know,
2: right? But the not but the hands. Oh, he did he, did. he did. He did, did join right? the Mets. That's right. Yeah. He did. Yeah. It like the, really final or, or yeah. the final hurrah, <laughs> or or the final goodbye. Yeah. So to me, guys like that who have like these really prime years but really struggle early in their career, that's what I see with JD Martinez. Like JD Martinez had some upside, went from team to team to team, right? He struggled here. Got released. Who, who released him? I forget. Was it Detroit? No, I don't the think so. T- the Tigers. The
1: Tigers released him first. They had him. They no. Sorry, Houston. The Astros, had him. Houston. The Astros, Houston. Astros, Houston the right. Had him. And then he
2: and then he went to the Tigers. Scored some big a couple times. Yeah. And then he, he was great at the Tigers. Then he goes to Arizona, right, for like two months, right. and was like exploded. And then he gets picked up by the Red Sox and becomes like the most dangerous hitter in baseball, or one of them. Top top six most dangerous hitters in baseball. Right. I just don't believe it. I think that I I think it's going off the table now. I could be wrong. I could be a year ahead. I could be two years ahead. Shoot, I could be four years ahead. And everyone can make fun of me and say, wow, you were really wrong about that, JD Martinez. But that's kind of my thing.
0: Maybe in Dynasty, uh, I can hear that. Uh, I kind of am buying him for this year. I think that um, you and a lot of other people uh, in in the industry or the NFBC or whatnot are pretty low on him. He did bat only 213 last year, but he had uh, the lowest Babbitt of his career at 250, and he's a lifetime 340 Babbitt player. Um, If you look at his underlying stats, walk rate, almost the same. Strikeout rate, almost the same. Uh, Fly ball rate was higher than his normal, but his homer to fly bait, Ball rate was half of what it usually is. So I think it's just I think it's a, a down year. He had some uh, a, unluckiness. I think that he blames the the video, the that he couldn't ha, he didn't have access to in game video. Maybe that's it. But just looking at pure regression, I I think he's really the same player he was. I think he has a bounce back. Maybe not to his lofty level of hitting 300 every year, but you know Steamer has him projected at 277, 35 homers. Um, he's not quite Nelson Cruz, but um, I think he's more Nelson Cruz than Carlos Gomez, so uh, I would take the over on you for for JD Martinez. Well, what's the, that... what's
2: his number for next year? How many how many dollars do you go? Um, well,
0: I, I don't know. Uh, probably high twenties. If if I high twenties, high twenties, ter- yeah, high twenties. We're not talking about thirty dollar anymore. That I would have right, paid right, but for him, you're but... saying
2: like $27, 28 even.
0: Maybe a little, twenty-five dollars I would pay for him, probably something around then. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't pay twenty-five dollars. That's what I would value at him. I would want to get him for twenty if he's going that low. Well, the right. problem
1: is he only he only played seven he only played seven games in the outfield last year, so that eligibility may be an issue. Do you want him clogging up your utility?
0: Nah, it doesn't matter. You, we talked a little bit about uh, last year, uh, uh, last episode with Eno. know um, guys who are in the top seven, eight, nine rounds. Doesn't matter. You take them because they're value. You don't have to worry about clogging, D, you know, DH. I don't
2: agree with that, but. Um... Uh, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be
0: a little, I'd be a little nervous
1: having him. I'd rather have, I'd rather pay, you know, five dollars more or six dollars more and get that Nelson Cruz and have him clog up my utility, you know.
0: Nelson Cruz is over forty. He's he's uh, only thirty two years old. He's gonna be thirty three this year. He's nice, thirty three already.
2: All right. So you have a twenty five. Ruven, would you take the over or the under on twenty five dollars? I would take the under
1: just because he has a had a down year, and I think a lot of his his regression was because of that lineup. Devers didn't pre- didn't produce That's until true. the end That's of the true. year. Xander Crappy Bogarts lineup. was hurt. He he didn't have any protection in that lineup, and he had so much pressure on him because that pitching staff was so bad that you don't know how much pressure he was putting on himself to try to perform. Um,
2: I, I I'll take the under on that twenty five dollars, and uh, part of it is the eye test for me. It's always the eye test, right? Because I, I I watched him and I, you know, I I'm really out on my own on this Babbitt business. Uh huh. I saw him hit the ball not so hard a lot. I saw him look really frustrated a lot last year. I saw a guy who well, went his, from—
0: uh, his hard-hit contact rate was 48 percent, highest of his career by far, and he hit 13.5—I'm sorry, I'm, I'm looking at Byron Buxton. <laughs> uh, so uh, <laughs> oh, Byron Buxton good. had a good year. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's let let me look was... his up.
2: That was the guy who I thought was going to be pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. No, sorry. Um, Byron it sounded Bucks very h- confident, though. Uh, it, well, I looked at him like, "What the heck?" Extremely confident. Um, right no, look, looking, looking at his his uh, no, looking at his hard hit. Uh, it was a touchdown, but not terrible. His bowel rate was same as 2019. So you know, and his launch angle was higher than usual. So maybe there was a little bit of a change in swing. Uh, so yeah, it looks like there's a little bit of decline, but not enough to make me spiral and say he's done because he has a you know just a two thirds of average. I
2: didn't say he was done. I just said that I'm lower on him than other people. Got that it. was the question. I have met 106. I mean, w- uh, Miguel Cabrera is done. I had to take Miguel Cabrera off this list. There's a moment when you're doing these rankings where like you take Albert Pujols off the list and it's like oh sad day, right? Well, it's just it's a noteworthy day. You know, when, and, yeah. and also what I do is I, I've got my Google sheet, right? And I'll take them out of the top 400. And once they leave the top 400, like it's very hard to get back in. Not impossible, but at that age, right. very, very hard to get back right. in. Right. So. so talk
0: a little bit about prospects. Let's go to I Ruben first. <laughs> okay, yeah. That, uh, let, let's see. We should do some board bets. Uh, but, uh, you know, 25 to me is, is more of a, a borderline. It's a good uh, uh, over-underline. You started so... with, wait, Ariel,
2: you started with high 20s. And then we got to 25. Mid-20s, um, right? Mid-20s, I mean, mid-20s. Yeah, well, mid-20s is 25. I'll, but, I'll,
0: I'll, I'll, I'll take the over on 25. Let's, okay, let's put perfect. it this way. There you go. Yeah. I think I, I, I'll I, take the I, under. Right, okay. I, w- I still wouldn't pay for 25 because I don't like buying players at price. But, um, yeah, for, for just straight value, I think I'll take the over this year. This year sounds only. Good. I, sounds I can't tell sounds good. Sounds good. Let's go to uh, Ruven first for prospects um, in our prospect section. And, um, you know, what is generally what you look for in in selecting what you think are going to be the next big prospects? And the second question for that, Ruvane, is what skills that are more immediately translatable from the minors upon reaching the majors
1: Okay, well, first of all, for prospects, you have to see the team they're on and their path to playing time. That's very important to make sure that they're not blocked at a certain position or if they are blocked, whether they start learning a new position because that's very possible also. Whether they're a top prospect, very few low-down prospects ever hit. A lot of the big names out there now were all top top prospects, Fernando Tatis. And you can, you can go on, all the big top prospects, they all are hitting. And while it's very hard to find another Mike Piazza who's drafted in the 100 100- 190, whatever round he was drafted in. What you're looking for in skills though, and what translate from the minors I see to the majors the most is raw power and speed. Raw power, you can't you can't make that up. That that's just the way it is. When Pete Alonso came up, everyone said he had raw power. They're wondering how it would go through. It went through. You're mentioning JD Martinez. I had him when he was still on Houston. I thought he was going to be good, and I had to go through everything with him, but he had the raw power in the minors, and I just held on to him because the raw power will show up, as does speed up until the age of 29 or 30. So if you're looking for a steals guy, their they're prospects are the best ones to get because they're younger and they run faster. As for pitchers, I guess the only thing you have to look for is velocity and, to make sure, and, and control, but control doesn't always play out in the minors as it does in the majors.
0: All
2: right, same question to you, Ian. Huh, um, that's a lot of uh, interesting <laughs> stuff. Uh, you know, I think hit tool matters a lot, too, uh, for me. Power, speed, what I'm looking for is guys who can go the other way, especially in this shift, cent- beat the shift. Hey, right, beat the shift. That's what exactly. we're trying to do here. Um, exactly. I really look for guys who are going to beat the shift. <laughs> guys who can hit the ball to all fields. Like I remember Pete Alonzo, uh, being very, very excited about him years ago. It was because I saw him hit a home run to right center field that just kept going. That's the thing that I'm always looking for. I'm looking for opposite field power. I'm looking to go to all fields. You look at somebody like Nomar Mazara, who is just lives in the shift. Max Kepler, the guy who I've always really liked, just keeps hitting the ball into the shift. Um, and I think that that's something that's really problematic. For me, I really try to avoid young pitchers because there's just so much downside you ju- they break and once they break once they become TJ'd, their value just it, it doesn't just go in half it goes by like you lose 80% of it talk about risk there um so those are the guys I I definitely agree with Ruben though it's it's I'm I'm always looking for the those top 15 to 20 prospects those are the guys that I want and I'll pay what I I'll pay what I got to get to get them cuz right. they will largely hit not always but then you get somebody like jerks and profile right who didn't hit well, i draft him every year <laughs> because there was a period of time where he was going to be he was the number he was the wander franco of his time not quite because franco's got a better hit tool than Profar ever did profile was more of a well-rounded uh right. prospect at the time but um you know i'm always looking back to that pedigree constantly it, when i do my nfbc you know we could we could talk about this team that that i got going right here um it's got uh, just all top prospect guys all guys that came up and were were going to be special and either exploded into specialness or have shown the specialness I don't think specialness is the word but you know that's that's what I'm looking for I appreciate that pedigree so I'm looking for those kinds of players guys like Jameson Tyon, right they, for a period of time when he first came out drafted out of high school I believe um you know, he was a top 10 prospect he was the second pick in the draft I want to say for the, for the pirates, you know, we're still waiting for him. He had one good year in 2018, 2018 was his one monster year, but he showed that he showed that he had that ability. So I'm still buying on the upside of that, you know? Right. Since
0: you mentioned a little bit more of the dynasty and you mentioned some power, I'll just talk about the speed aspect and I play a lot of redraft leagues. We had, you know, Saras on the show last week mentioned that stolen genius. bases, uh, he's fantastic. Um, yeah. Stolen bases come from young players. So prospects, and I generally don't like taking prospects in redrafts because you don't really know what you're going to get. Um, I mean, a Juan Soto hits right away, but, you know, you don't always get that. You can get the Vlad you Guerrero Jr. Mostly don't. Jr. Yeah, mostly mostly don't. Don't um, But speed plays. So, you know, looking this year, you got Vidal Zabrugin. I don't know how to pronounce his Bruhan. name exactly. Brujan. Bruhan. Uh, Vidal Brujan. No, don't um, do it. Don't do it yeah i'm mean, like he, he's uh now the rays do raise things but right still 48 ba- still 48 bases in the minors uh in 2019 i would look for guys like this for an immediate impact
2: but he's like uh, hello Bruhan, brujan's not gonna be up he's not gonna be up and if you draft him in in march i don't know man i mean maybe i could be wrong well, uh, we're talking
0: about an in we're talking about an in season pickup for oh, in season pickup if sure. Up. If you
2: hear Bruhan is getting is coming up, he's worth a, a purchase, even though it is the raise and they, they're the yeah. they're the frickin' young, worst.
0: Young guys prospects who have starting jobs are a good sign, especially if they steal. Let me let me, let me let
2: me let me go back to one question you asked earlier of guys yeah. who I'm higher on than other people. Yep. Um I think I'm higher than other people. For a dynasty list. I've got Mondesi at twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mondesi is a character.
2: Uh, yeah, was... but Mondesi wins leagues, man. But you need to see whether he's fully healthy also.
1: You see he didn't is I it... don't think he was fully recovered last year from the shoulder issue. I think right? now that he's had a whole full year and mm-hmm. he's had the whole winter to rehab, you may see the Mondesi that we saw
2: the year prior. I mean that's, that's but look right at we on. but remember guys, remember what happened in September, mid August to September to the middle of September last year? He was the best player in baseball, in fantasy baseball period. Yeah, but but he uh, was, the
0: July, August was uh, pretty putrid there. But as, yes. Like... But
2: as Reuben said, he was still coming back from a terrible right. shoulder injury. Right. You know, right. I mean, the, but in 219 at bats, he ended up with a 256 average. And if you had him early in the season, he was hitting 91. <laughs> I mean, 91, something like yeah. that. And uh, you had a lot of strikeouts. And you, and you had to play him
1: because he's, he's always that threat to steal. You can't yeah. sit him though.
2: I sat him for the, his first big breakout week. Robert Mershack and I, that team obviously is a, is a beloved team of mine, because I talk about it a lot. But we have Mondesi on that team, we have Tatis on that team, We and uh, we sat him that one week because we were trying to get average, because we were running away with it, but we were trying to get average. And uh, and we sat him and he stole like seven bases that week. And I said to Robert, I was like, I don't care, he plays. We have to play him every, he had 24 stolen bases and 219 at bats.
0: Right, I mean, 24. Mondesi. Honestly, you're going to get the steals. It's the Billy Hamilton guarantee type steals. No, but the it's question, not Billy
2: Hamilton because he's no, but it's six not runs.
0: So right, the question is: is the power is, is there enough power that it now becomes okay? We've got a a legit 2040 type guy. Uh, it's close. Mm, he, he, I think you've
2: got a close. 1550 guy.
1: Well, let's see when he comes back to spring training if they say he's bulked up. If he's bulked up, then you can expect more power. You know, a lot of times when the spring training, say he's in the best shape of his career. If he's bulked up, that means he's trying to hit for more power.
0: And the other question, though, is it's, need a, to, though. it's a risk management question on Mondesi because it's a guy. It's not a guarantee that he's going to go. He's one of the guys that I have a, a, a hard time projecting the value because I see so much variance in other underlying projections. I mean, he he could go belly up because of it. he could be injury prone. Um, but he can obviously be a first round player, and the question is where is he going to go in drafts, and is it worth it at that price? Thing is that he does steal, and if he plays, it's a guaranteed slam dunk steal, which is so valuable these days in roto. So yeah, who's uh, close?
2: I mean, not in points leagues, but who's close to him? Who's stealing bases the way Mondesi is?
0: Trey Turner, um, close. It's you know close and more of a guaranteed of the hit tool. You know, yes,
2: for sure. For sure. And that's why Turner, I picked Turner at six speed matters. What about Whit Merrifield? Same team. He'll steal.
1: He's still stealing. He'll, he can get you like, uh, you know, maybe hit 25 tool. to 30 bases and a better, better hit, hit tool, tool. He'll for average. He'll give you some power. He'll score runs and he's hitting second in the lineup there.
2: Yeah. yeah I'll take Mondesi over Whit Merrifield for sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah. For just, just, for sure. Mondesi could, could be a $45 player. Could be a right. $50 player. Correct. So, right, but I mean, and it's a 15 team league, right? Right. You gotta, you gotta take a little bit of risk or you don't have to, you don't have to, but for you me, you want, if you, if you want to win, you have to take that risk. You don't even have Depends to. Depends on the price, but, Depends but on the price, but look, I mean, for me, Mondesi is, is a, is a, <laughs> he's like, I mean, if JD Martinez is $25, what are you paying for, for Alberto Mondesi? Or Raúl Mondesi Jr. What are you paying I'm for him? Thirty.
0: Uh, no, not even. I, 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 I'd say also around twenty-five to thirty, um, something like that.
2: Ooh, ooh. Okay, so here, 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 here. I'll take Mondesi. You take JD Martinez. Let's see who wins. How about that?
0: <sighs> Very Thanks. variable, but you know what? I'll, 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 I'll go for it. I'm, I'm a gamer. That's Interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's five not, by five. Five by is five. That, is, is that a board bet? What are we betting here? <laughs> I have to watch a couple of episodes of Dawson's Creek? No. <laughs>
2: no you don't. No, you don't have to do anything. We'll just know. All right. All I'll, right. Take all right. To see, I'll take Mondesi. I'll Mom take Mondesi who I have it at, at 29. There's one other guy who I do like this year as a dynasty by low uh in the off season is Steven Strasburg. Because um I and I actually have him pretty low. I have him at 99, but I did that before the word came out that he's going to be ready for spring training and, and all systems go, which is, I believe, came out. Um, that would move him up quite a bit for me, and I traded for him in the Enos Devil's Rejects League uh, to a player who was doing a rebuild, I think, is a retool of some kind, and just wanted to get young bats, and that can be dangerous as well. Um, and he traded myself and Wilson Carman my partner I like to have partners in Dynasty leagues at this point just just to have someone else there to I, to I
0: like it. to have partners in leagues
2: yeah it's fun it, it, oh, yeah. if you if you, if you have a good time with a guy it's it's really fun um and we traded Garrett Hampson straight up for Steven Strasberg in late August of last year.
0: We don't like Hampton on this show, so we're, yeah, we're a fan it's of that. Yeah, he's not that hot um, our... Let's Let's finish up uh, uh, with a little bit of... Uh, for the 2021 season, so we're not talking long-term dynasty, just talking about this year, uh, what are some key prospects to know who might be interesting or whatnot? Let everyone give one or two. Uh,
2: start with you, Ian. Uh, one or two. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say Alex Kirillov in Minnesota should have a path to playing time. Dylan Carlson should have a play path to playing time Randy Rosarena if he's not in trouble. Kebryan Hayes certainly um though I don't buy completely what he did, but still. Hayes will
0: be overvalued cuz he had such a great year last. Yeah,
2: year. that's the other thing if I can just say, like one thing I've learned is like try not to have too much fun in your draft taking all the young guys. Like just be be smart about it. Don't especially with young pitchers the just, just be careful. Like yep. don't, don't, don't bank your season on Mackenzie Gore. Okay. Right. Or, or Nate Pearson. Like let them do it for a minute. There was only one Jose Fernandez. They don't come up and do that very often. Although Sixto Sanchez, like Sixto Sanchez is a guy that I'm avoiding. Why? Because I just think, I mean, he might, he might explode and be like a top 15 pitcher, but right now you're paying top 22 pitcher price for him. He also could be injured really fast. Uh, an, another guy, I, I, again, I worry about Wander Franco because of the, the raise, but just drafted him in a, in a 50 player NFBC draft and hold. And Jared clinic is somebody who here's why, here's we why Jared clinic.
0: We don't talk about Kalenic on this show. Yeah, Jared that's Kalenic, a curse word. That's a curse word here.
2: Jared Kalenic. I don't know if you guys remember this trade. There was this we, we, trade. We don't. There was no trade. It was. It was. Brody Van Wagoner comes on, and he he had a client in Robinson Cano, who he wanted to bring to his team. And Ian, this wanted... is the ultimate. You're a Yankee fan,
0: bringing this oh, up. It's,
2: no, no, no. I just. I'm not... So this kid, he was the fifth pick in the draft for the Mets, and Mets don't yeah. typically they weren't drafting that fast. They could they got this kid at 18. Wagoneer, is that how you say his name? they should call it. Whatever it is. He, he trades Jared Kalenick. Yeah. And I think Justin Dunn went in that trade too. Am I right? Yes, he did. And who there was that was there another pitcher as well, or was that it?
0: They threw Jay Bruce and, and, uh, Smoorzak. oh, right, right. That was, that was the, that was Sourzak. the salary Sourzak. Sourzak. dump that tried yeah. to make
2: it seem okay that they were bringing his client who was 36 years old. I mean, that's got to be the, right up there. Not as bad as the Tom Seaver trade for Doug Flynn, yeah. but it's in the ballpark. And like, like a Dynasty League trade, that trade is going to hurt Mets fans, I think, for a very long time. I mean, 15 is that, is years. Is that,
1: is that sort of like the Jay Buhner trade when the, a's kind of, him kind right?
2: of, for Ken Phelps? It is yeah, in yeah. the ballpark of that, but I have a feeling that Jay Buhner, I wasn't playing fantasy back then, but Jay Buhner at his height, you know, I, I used to play Stratomatic Baseball back then. He was a one minus five right fielder with power, but he he wasn't still on any bases. So Jay Buhner probably would have been like a fifth round pick, sixth round pick. This kid, I think, Kalenic? Kalenic? Stop Jared Kalenic? Me. This kid, Jared Kalenic, that kid? <laughs> He could be a per- could be a perennial first round player. Gosh, if he was still in the Mets. Well, in Ugh. 6 years they can in 6 years the Mets can afford him. Yeah, but they're going to extend so, okay. him. The Mariners would never let go. But here's my point. I was making another point before I decided to just do this to you guys. Thanks. Sorry about that. I just had to do it. <laughs> um but but here was my point. I actually think Kalenic has more of a chance of coming up this year than I did last week. And that is because Rafael Montero was traded to the Mariners. Which suggests to me, which suggests to me that the Mariners are going to try to win baseball games this year. And if they're trying to win baseball games this year to get what should be considered a number, the number three prospect in all of baseball, who's fulfilled every hope that you could ever have had at, for a prospect already, and he's what 19, 20 years old, they're going to bring him up. I think they're going well, to bring him up and
0: I, play him. Just on that point, by the way, I I, I do think that there's a good chance the clinic will come up. But um, if you I wouldn't say it's because of of Montero being traded. You know, closers are the interesting thing because they build up trade commodity in the middle of the season. Like, who's the hottest guy that yeah. you have to get right at the trade deadline? It's a it's a good reliever. So if I think they're yeah. the Seattle plan. Think- could yeah, be I, to take him, play him, get in the closer role, and then get something for him at the deadline.
2: I mean, maybe, but I don't know. I think the, the guy likes are, trading. Lot, uh, he does. To, yeah, uh, he know. made a really good trade with those Mets. Oh my god! Thank you, great. thank you. Uh, but, but, but I will say this. I will say this. I, I, this, this just my instinct. I could be wrong, but when I saw that, I went, "Ooh, all right, let's go get Jared clinic in this yeah. draft and hold." And we did. So, right,
0: right, right.
2: I, I just, and also last night, just there were, gosh, I think Clay Link took him. And like four people in the room, Paul Sporer was like, oh, no, I wanted him, you know. So I think I think I think the fantasy world is really high on clinic. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry Um, about that, guys. Sure. Thanks a lot. Uh, (laughs) 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 You got Steve Cohen. Come on now. Your cousin.
0: That's right. That's right. He's actually my my uncle, by the way, in real life. Yeah. You're a liar. Let's just uh, very quickly uh, one or two guys uh, who you might want to bring up about uh, prospects in 2021 season.
1: Well, actually, Ian mentioned um, Alex, Alex Kirilov. Our one player we love them. This in this podcast is is uh, um, Rosario, Eddie Rosario. He's gone, so Kirilov is going to play. Yes, we for some reason we like them a lot. I don't know. Um, another guy I want to mention. Actually, these are two pitchers, Clark Schmidt for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. His average K rate in the minors averaged between nine and fifteen Ks per nine innings, and the Yankees need starters, and it looks like they're strapped for. Cash is that even possible because nah. they have to sign DJ LeMayhew? So, in Clark Schmidt, may get a chance to be a starter full time coming out of spring training. Another guy, a Marlins pitcher, Max Mayer. I know he was just drafted and he's he was the number three pick in this past year's draft, but the Marlins seem to bring up their pitchers pretty quick if they don't trade them. So, it's very possible if the Marlins somehow do well again in the beginning of this, this coming year and they need a pitcher, Max Mayer may be a guy to wow. make an impact this year. Really. I have not heard that so. anywhere. If you're right about that, I'm going to tip my Yankee hat to you. Well, I, I'm I, listen. I the Marlins always. That. The Marlins are known for drafting good pitchers, and a lot of times mm. they bring them up pretty quick. I mean, Jose Fernandez. How long was he in the Marlins for? Very a short time. Guys, I, thought exactly. Edward, guys are... I thought you were going to say Edward. I thought you were going to say Edward Cabrera. I thought that's who. You no, I'm, 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 going this year. I mean, the wow. the trend is mm. d- drafts people being drafted. They're in the majors. Next year, the year after, they want to get the talent out there. I mean, listen, if if the Marlins aren't well, aren't doing well, then he's going to stay in the minors, and he's just going to play out and see how he does. But if the Marlins are even within a sniffing shot of getting a wild card,
2: there's no reason why they wouldn't bring him up. Hey, Ariel, can I ask Ruben, what do you think of Jazz Chisholm? Like, what did you think of that Zach Gallon trade at the time? Because that, that's what I'm I assuming actually, you're thinking I,
1: about. I, I was very high. I, I love Zach Galen. I, I I don't know why they even traded him. Yeah. Um. I, I because I think the trade the Marlins make. Happened to be some of the not that smart. I mean, Lewis Brinson didn't seem doesn't seem to be working out. A lot of the guys. I mean, that outfield they had that they traded away. Mm. I mean, it, they would they would they would have won the won the uh, won the National League East this year if they had that. If they had Ozuna, Yell. I mean, not this year, but in, in the year before, Ozuna, sure, sure. Yelich. I mean, come and on, it's, it's, sure, 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 and, sure. and, and Stanton. But wait, so wait, they're Not, not good all of their
2: trades. Not wait. I got one for you that was very good. Or I liked it a lot. Uh, they got Caleb Smith and Garrett Cooper for Michael King. That was a sweet trade. That was a sneaky trade, but that, that's yeah. not on the same level as no. these other guys. That's, that's no, the whole thing. No. But they were also they were dumping. I mean, they were just dumping salary. They were just trying to get. Were, was, I agree were. with uh, both of
0: your takes on those trades. Uh, I, I do like a Gallon better than uh, Jazz. Um, so uh, a couple guys that I'll mention, and this is for the 2021 season, um, uh, some interesting guys. Uh, Alejandro Kirk a catcher on Toronto. Um, not somebody that may start the season with them, although he did play some games last year. I think it, he's he's a good type for like a best ball uh, type format. And if you want to grab Jansen and then later on grab Kirk so that you get that tandem, uh, the, uh, the handcuff in the end, that's a good play for him. Um, I like uh, Ryan Mountcastle, who I guess still qualifies maybe. He hit 333 last year. He's not going to do that again, uh, but... What I like about him is he bats in the heart of the lineup. Even last year, he batted three, four, five. It's a cheap way of getting a very good runs in RBI production later in the draft. He's akin to Eric Hosmer, I think, where he'll give you some power. Um, he'll give you a lot of good counting stats and an average that won't kill you. I know, Ian, you're high on Eric Hosmer, so am I, but I'm telling you, it's a similar
2: profile, I see. Wait, wait, wait. I had I, I to ask Reuven about that. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you buy Mountcastle that high?
1: Actually, yes. I I tried to draft him in the NFPC last year. So I um, I wanted in NFPC. I wanted him in TGFBI. I was I was almost as high in on him as I was on Alec Boehm. I just thought Mountcastle would be brought up earlier than he was.
2: That's all. Uh huh. Okay. I, I I I we just traded for him in just Steve Gardner and I traded for him. I guess about a, six weeks ago, partially because he's a Orioles guy, and so I. It's, it's runs court. and RBIs,
0: but if you're talking about five x five roto, forty percent of your stats are runs and RBIs, and people often do not think
2: about him. Some I guy. Worry, I just worry he's gonna. I don't know. I just if he a, bats
0: two sixty and he's batting third in the order, he's gonna get runs and RBIs. He's just not very so. good
2: in the field right i mean particularly well, he, can,
1: he can dh they just got rid of renato nunez he can dh yep, that's true
2: so i i, I
0: think he's There's gonna play to feed and and i i like him for the volume uh bobby Dalbec, if you just need some power he's gonna have power uh i i like him uh and uh, Leodi tavares the kind of player i was talking about earlier switch yeah. hitting speedster from texas i think he's gonna play that's the kind of guy you want to buy
2: and that's player. the pedigree i was talking about with Leodi. It, he's been struggling yes. in the minors for years, right? For sure, for sure, for sure. But when he first signed five years ago at this point in Texas, he was the thing, you know? And then he comes up, and he did great. Eight stolen bases and 200 at-bats. I mean, his average yep. was pretty low. 220, right? 221, something like
0: 227 that? 227
2: last year. 227. But, yeah, I was very impressed by Leody Tavares. Just traded yeah.
0: him. Good Good uh, walk rate. Walked a lot. So yeah. uh, I, I like guys who get on base. Runs, runs, runs walk Sorry, OBP league much better than average, and uh, definitely got to look out for. He'll get he'll get at bats. He'll compile a lot of counting stats. Um, all right, Ruvein, up to your injury report. What do you have for us today? Okay, I'm going to go with a couple of young guys here. 1st i we'll start with Mike Soroka. He
1: had the Achilles repair in August of this past year. And reports say right now that he is going to be ready and ready to throw when spring training starts. That's not meaning he's going to be game ready, but that he's going to be ready to throw. Nick Birdie, he underwent his second Tommy John surgery in October. Um, He was DFA'd by the Pirates, but he's still expected to miss next year. David Dahl, who was recently signed by the Texas Rangers, which is an interesting signing, had right shoulder surgery end of September, but he's expected to be ready to start spring training. Another young guy, Dakota Hudson, he had Tommy John surgery end of September and expected to miss 2021. Corbin Burns, the GM of the Brewers, David Stern, said last month that Burns won't require offseason surgery and is expected to make a full recovery from his left oblique strain with rest. And rehab. He's not dealing with any significant structural damage or core muscle injury, so he should be good to go for next year. Another couple of players, um, you mentioned Shohei Otani earlier. He's been throwing for about a month, he's reached already 120 feet. Um, the thing is, I think they said that the, he's gonna be part of their starting rotation, but they're gonna go with a six man rotation, so that may decrease his pitching value just a bit. And another guy I want to mention is Eduardo Rodriguez. He was one he used to be one of the top prospects for the Red Sox. He had COVID last year and he got myocarditis from that. That, um he's on track in his recovery from myocarditis, and he's lined up and ready to—he should be ready to start 2021 on time.
0: Ian, this has been a blast of a show. Um, oh, thank you, guys. Really, Thanks for having I, me on. I really want to thank you for coming on. Just um, it, fantastic. Uh, but before we let you go, can you tell everybody where we, we can see your stuff, hear you, and everything Ian Khan, where you can follow him on Twitter, you name it?
2: Uh, sure. Sure. Um the Twitter account to follow is IanCon4. I also have my that's my fantasy baseball account. Uh Nando always teases that's my burner account. It's not, it's just where I do fantasy baseball stuff. And then the act the actor side is it just at in Con. But don't bother following that. Follow Ian Con Um the dynasty rankings are at Rotowire. Uh and every Wednesday, although we're on break now for the next couple of weeks, but we did a cool, a fun episode. I think it was a fun episode last Wednesday. It feels like it was fun. Um, every Wednesday with Derek Van Riper and Nando DeFino under the radar on the fantasy.
0: Under the radar!
2: Yeah, no, it's funny, right? <laughs> Actually, Nando had me, you know how at the end he's like... To my friend, Ian Khan, who, and then he always comes up with like something, a callback from something in the show. He was like, you got to do, you know, you do it. And I did it. And it was super fun. (laughs) So I, I pretended I was Nando Dufino, who I call the godfather of fantasy baseball. Um, (laughs) And uh, so that's every Wednesday and you do not have to be a subscriber to The Athletic to listen to the show. And I promise hearing Derek Van Riper and Nando Dufino is fun, super fun.
0: Uh, I agree. Uh, the, you guys at The Athletic have really great stuff. You have uh, Rates and Barrels also with Eno yeah. and Derek Van Riper as well, and Brick and Garoli sometimes. Um, but you guys have really great shows. Uh, definitely two of my go to pods that I listen to each week. Um, so, you know, th- thank you so much. Ruven, I want to just tell everybody uh, where we can see your stuff. You can follow me on
1: Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I tweet out injury updates throughout the season, throughout the offseason. You can also catch my weekly injury article on Rotobowler.
0: And I'm Ariel Cohen, and you can read my work over at Fangraphs, CBS Sports, Roto The ATC projections will be up in just a couple of short weeks over at Fangraphs. Of course, you can listen to us right here on the Beat the Shift podcast, and you can li- read my stuff um, on Twitter at ATCNY, which is the shortest Twitter handle of any fantasy sports player. Yeah. All right. From all of us here at Beat the Shift, thank you so much, Ian Kahn, for joining, and... See you next time in 2021.
1: Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.